Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Ephesians six ten through 22. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we've been studying the book of Ephesians for three months. Again, it's Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus. Um, And so... I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder, did Paul know that this was going to be included in scriptures when he wrote it? You know, there's all scripture is God breathed, right? And so did, did he have an idea? I mean, there was times when, like the first Corinthians to the church of Corinth, that he said, from the Lord, and then he'd say, but not from the Lord, but for me. And, and I just kind of wondered, did he, did he have this idea that, that when he was writing right now, that the Holy Spirit was working through him and that what he was going to be writing was going to be used by the church even 2,000 years later for our instruction. But I'm mindful in reading the Word of God over and over and over again. I mean, I haven't said this for a while, but you know how living and powerful it is today as it was back then. He could have written that letter to the church of Martinez. You know, and it's, it's amazing to me as, you, as I read through it and as I think about it, how many things are applicable. And the challenge to us to walk worthy is still the same. And so from the get-go, Paul gives them the reason to walk worthy. Because of everything God has done for you. How he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing. How many? 
every. Just some. He best is just one or two. I mean, you got one or two, you got one or two, you got one or two, you got one or two. No! He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And as again, as a reminder, we don't see them sometimes because we're focusing on the here and now. We're focusing on flesh. Rather, we're told to be setting our mind on things above, looking to the heavenlies rather than to the earthlies. And so we miss some of these blessings that God has given to us because we're not focusing on Him. We're focusing on the flesh. So He's blessed us with all these spiritual blessings. I'm not going to go through He's made us alive. We were spiritually dead. We were children of wrath. But God has made us alive. He's given us a new nature, a new being, a new way of thinking. We once were far off, but now we are brought near to Him. And so... He then talks about how does this play out with all this, this calling that we have had. How does it look when we walk worthy then of this calling? Of all these things God has done for us, how does it look like? Well, Ephesians 4, we talked about what it looks like in the, the church. With unity. And then, then the church working together. Synergy. That every part playing their part so that we seek to have this oneness that we can... Um, reflect Jesus Christ to the world. Living in the world. How does it look like while we're in the world? First of all, we're supposed to have a transformed life, and secondly, a sanctified life. We're no longer supposed to be thinking like the rest of the Gentiles think in the futility of their minds, but rather we're supposed to be thinking like we've been taught by Jesus. And so in Philippians chapter 2, is very clear that this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, that mind is putting others first. Before others... Let me just step back for a second. But before others, who comes? God. The greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second, like unto it, is love your neighbor as yourself. Be careful, because the, the, there are false teachings in the world today that want you to think that loving your neighbor is more important than loving God. Okay, that's called a social gospel. Okay? So, so, so in this, though, I'm living a transformed life. I've got a new way of thinking. I've got a new way of living. You, again... I'm not going to go into it, but you wouldn't know Bob 40 years ago. Bob's different than he was 40 years ago. Before Christ, after Christ, major difference. Okay? You're living a sanctified life, being imitators of God, walking in love, walking in light, walking in wisdom. Okay? And then that played into our relationships, that we walk worthy in the relationships that we have on this earth. Our marital relationships, our parental relationships, our occupational relationships. So husbands, you are to love your wives. Wives, you are to, to submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, you're loving your wives as, as Christ loves the church, right? When we get into the, the parental relationships, right? Children, you are to obey your parents. Debbie, you're saying it. I want the kids to say it, okay? And so, but kids, you're supposed to obey your parents, right? And the Lord, why? Kiddos, because it is? It's right. Right to who? It's right to God. That's exactly right. Okay? It doesn't matter whether it's right to you. It's right to God. Good job. Okay? That's exactly right. Okay? Then it says fathers, not mothers, dads. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's my job as a dad. To bring my kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, not Marcia's. She assists me in it, 
She's my help meet. But just as it was Adam, sin, that brought sin into the world, not Eve. Did you ever think about that? I always wonder how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. I get it, you know. But I always wonder what, what would happen if, if Adam would have said to her, Woman, you're gone! God said not to do that. I don't know what he's going to do with you, but he's going to give me a new model. It didn't happen that way, though, did it? She gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And then what happened? Sin came into the world. And death passed through sin, for all men sinned. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Dads, it's your responsibility. Did I offend you, Marcia? I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm out of here. I heard this last week. Anyways, but the reality is, okay, it's my job, right? And then I get into occupational. And so with the workers, okay, the bond slaves, that's the employees, they're supposed to serve with what? Or not with eye service. Not as men pleasers, but as serving who? Christ. You get it right. As an employee, you'll get it right is if you, again, don't think flesh and blood, that you're not looking at the world, you're not looking at the guy or the lady who's over you that's really causing you a bad day, but you're remembering that ultimately your ultimate boss, your ultimate Lord is Jesus Christ, and that's who you're ultimately serving. And if you serve Christ, if you serve God, and you're doing your work to the glory of God, then guess what? You'll be up to their standards. And if they got problems with you, they got, it's their problem, not yours. Because persecution is going to come. Okay? If they don't love Jesus, they don't like Jesus. That's how it comes out. But I'd rather have them persecuting me for the name of Jesus than because I'm a slackard. But you masters, you owners, you managers, do the same thing to your employees. Knowing that you also have a master who you're going to give an account to one day. Now in all that though, remember this whole concept was that, we're, that he's getting you to, to not think physically because you're looking at that imperfect wife you're looking at that imperfect husband you're looking at the imperfect kids you're looking at the imperfect dad you're looking at the imperfect employees you're looking at the imperfect boss but your mind has got to be where in the heavenlies because he's blessed us with every what spiritual blessing where in the heavenlies you get it i got to be thinking the heavenlies. i got to set my mind on things above. And now he's going to end it. He's going to culminate this whole thing with talking about how do I walk worthy in the spiritual war. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 10, and he kind of sums this up. And So I want to say this verse because it's going to apply in so many places in this, okay? And I'm, we're not going to read it over and over again. So I want to read this first, and when we come into Ephesians 6, because it's going to play right into it, okay? to the church of Corinth, which also had much spiritual um, battles going on, he says to him, he says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. we got to always remember that. I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. Though I battle, or though I walk in the flesh, I do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is it exalting itself against? God. Do you get it? It's a spiritual war. The ultimate goal of my enemy, of my adversary, 
is to attack who? God. It's not me. i got to always remember that. The battle's not against Bob. It's a spiritual war. But again, we continually get distracted by the things of the flesh. We think when we look out in the news, we see things going on. We're distracted by all these things. Look, this is a spiritual war going on. This isn't a fleshly war, but we get distracted by it. Because people want us to be distracted by it. They want us to look at flesh and blood. Satan wants us to look at flesh and blood. There's a spiritual war going on. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How many thoughts? All of them. Every single stinking, because that's the thought I've got to bring into captivity, right? Stinking thought. Do you realize how many thoughts you have in a day? And you do so well until that one. Until Satan finds that little chink in the armor, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, Lord, how did I do that? Where, where did I go from there? Have you ever read, had a great quiet time? You're on in the clouds. You're on the mountaintop. And then two seconds later, you're in the gutter. <laughs> it's like, where did it go? The kid came in the room. Blame it on the kids. Anyways, the kid came in the room, and all of a sudden, your whole attitude, Wow! No, it wasn't the kid's fault. It's a spiritual war. You get it? I'm not saying your kid was a, a worker of the devil at the moment. Sometimes you wonder. Anyways, but, but at that moment, it is a spiritual war. Okay? Being to punish all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. Rejoice in the Lord, not in wicked are going to be dis, are, are going to be judged, but knowing that justice will come. Regardless, I want to I want to pray that the that the wicked. I want to pray that the the um, that those who are um, ungodly will turn to God to get saved. But in the end, regardless of all that, there's going to be what there's going to be judgment. So. For us now, going into Ephesians 6, okay, you say, wow, I can't read all that, okay? Again, I've got colors on there because I want you to see something. Again, because we've been talking about inductive Bible study, right, in Sunday school, okay? And so that's, the reality is that you want to, you want to teach, you want to learn from the Word, okay? We don't make up what we want to make up. We don't teach what we just want to teach. We want to teach the Word of God, okay? So I like to do that. And so every once in a while, I like to show you, this is what I'm doing. This is how the messages come, okay? So the whole outline's there. I don't have to come up with an outline. God's already gave me an outline. All I got to do is what? Teach it. Okay? So there are four primary verbs. Now you got this, this one here as well. Okay? But this is just a coming back and reiterating what was stated here. So you have four commands. These are in the imperative. Okay? The imperative means it's very what? Imperative. Okay? But it means it's a command. Okay? We get focused down in here with all this armor. And we get focused in here on all these rulers and powers. That's not the focus of this passage. The focus of this passage is what you're supposed to do. Do you get it? All these ar- the pieces of the armor, these things in blue, those are all participles. They're just describing how you do the other. But we want to know all this, and we're going to talk about it in a moment, but we want to get into the principalities and powers and the rulers and the spiritual hosts, of, and we want to define who they are and, and the levels of it and all this kind of stuff. And it's like Satan is distracting the church by focusing on him. When my focus is supposed to be where? On Christ. In the heavenlies. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Not in Satan. I don't care about Satan. 
He's defeated. He's done. Do you get it? Kick him in the teeth. My focus is on the Lord and what he has for me. Not worrying about what Satan's bringing against me. There's a lot of football games played yesterday. A lot of football games played today. And I heard this illustration yesterday, but I was already going to give it. Because it's, it's the, they're especially his guys, right? And, and the reality is that all week, the guys that are playing today have been preparing. It's a war. Football is kind of like a mini war. You got your offense and you got your, your defense, right? And the defense wants to do what? They want to stop the offense. They want to stop them in any way they can. Okay? What's the offense want to do? They want to score. They want to, move. They want to push the line. You've got entrenchment going on. You've got a line. And the offensive line wants to push the, off, the defensive line. The defensive line wants to push the offensive line. The defense wants to exploit the weakness of the offense. The offense wants to exploit the, the, the weakness of the defense. And I promise you, they're spending weeks, not just a couple days, finding the weakness of their enemy so they can exploit it. Steelers played on, on Thursday. They got creamed. Yeah, I'm a Steelers fan, right? They got creamed. They got crushed. Why? Because they don't have a rush defense. The Browns were so wicked. They were so mean. They were so cruel that they ran the ball against the Steelers. They ought to know the Steelers didn't have a, a run defense, and so that's just unfair. They should have passed because the Steelers, could, they could defend against the pass. It doesn't happen that way, though, does it? Your enemy finds a weakness. So what's he going to do? He's going to exploit it. He's going for it. Do you get it? Do you, do you understand this? So Jesus said you need to be wise as what? Now, he didn't say to be a serpent. But you've got to be wise as the serpent and harmless as doves. So these are our commands. That's my points today. Okay? We're going to have these points. Okay? So the first one is be strengthened. Oh, be strengthened. Wait a second. Stop. We talked about in Sunday school. If I say something that, that is against what the Bible says, you ought to stop me. What does your command in your Bible say? Follow my brother and be be what? Be strong. It's an aorist passive. It's a, or a it's, I'm sorry, it's a passive imperative. It's passive. Passive means the action is happening to the subject. This word, and I put all the, the references for it in, on your sermon note sheet. So if you've got sermon note sheet, you can look at all the reference. It's be strengthened. Be strengthened. Look at this. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me. Who has what? Strengthened me. Because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. 2 Timothy 4, 16 to 18. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. But the Lord stood with me, and he what? He strengthened me. Philippians 4, 13. You got all quote that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This first command is really not a command for you to be strong. It's just allow Christ to strengthen you. To recognize the fact that what? Say it again. God gives you strength, but that you can't do it. You can't win this battle on your own. I, I just want you to be, understand this, okay? As we saw this in Second, Second Peter chapter 2, as we're talking with the mighty angels. Okay? These, these angels have a lot of power, a lot of might, okay? And I promise you, you by yourself, in and of yourself, you're not going to win the battle. But it's Christ who strengthens you. Again, you have strength 
Go back to chapter 1. In Christ. And so you are doing these things in Christ. If you're trying to win the battle on your own, like the seven sons of Sceva, <laughs> you're going to find out that you're going to be running out the door naked. All beaten up. Because the demon said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but I don't know who you are. And they beat the tar, if you would, out of the seven sons of Sceva, and they ran out of the house naked. <laughs> Checking me out, good job. So, no, you're good, David. That's, that's all good. Now, if you were playing a, a rock song, I might have been bothered, but if you're, if you're playing strong concordance, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you're good, you're good. So, so the strengthening. So the first command is a passive command. But I'm supposed to be strengthened then in the Lord and in the power of his might. I don't have time to get into Second Chronicles um, 20, verse 1 to 23. Can anybody tell me right off the bat what that passage is? You know it when I say it. I'll just say one word. It's a long word. Jehoshaphat. Anybody tell me now what it's about? Ah! Oh! You're killing me, Stephen. Steve. He sent the singers out. That's exactly right. That's the passage. That's that, so they were getting ready to be attacked. But the first part of that, though, they're getting ready to be attacked. And he's all worried. He's fearful. And so what does he do? He prays. He prays. He turns to Yahweh. And he cries out to Yahweh for his intervention. And Yahweh sends the prophet and says, don't worry about it. This battle the battle belongs, we sang it, to the Lord. That's where it comes from. That's where the song comes from. The battle belongs to the Lord, and we sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. Because the battle is the Lord's. Do you get it? It's all His. It's not mine. If I'm going in the strength of Bob, it's going to look like it. Okay? Right? All right. Second command, put on. Now, again, you're going to see the take, taking at the very end of this passage, okay? But put on what? What's our what? What's our what? Put on the whole armor of God. The Greek word is panoply. The next song, at the, at the very end, we're going to be singing uh, Soldiers of Christ Arise. In the second verse, there's going to be the verse where, where the, the, the phrase where it says that we take up the panoply of God. And they feel like they've got to explain it at the bottom because nobody knows what a panoply of God is. Well, this is the panoply. Okay, panoply, pan, all, a plea, is the, the accoutrements, the, um, the, the equipage of, of war, okay? So it's the weapons, so all the weapons. So when you are told to put on the whole armor of God, he means put on the what? Whole armor of God. Don't pick and choose. Dude, have you ever seen me, Fence? I know, right off the bat, you're saying he's starting with his wrong hand. No, I'm left-handed, okay? That takes everybody off guard because, man, they're right-handed. you got somebody coming up with a left hand and you wipe them out, okay? I don't need all that other stuff because I'm just that good. I mean, you ain't that good. That's why you got to have that, that breastplate. That's why you got to have that helmet. That's why you got to have all... But I'm that good. You know where that leads, right? <laughs> bing, bing, bing. It's exactly right. Take off the whole armor of God. Why? In order that you may be able to stand against the methods, the methodia, methodia, the wiles, literally in the Greek, methodia, 
You know that word, right? Methods. It's the methods. You can stand against the methods of the devil. He's got a lot of methods. Literally, the Greek word is made hodas, okay? And it means with the way, with the road, with the way. You got to know the methods of your enemy. I promise you, when, when, again, going to football, when people are looking at the Steelers, okay, that they're looking at the fact that they like to blitz a lot. And they're going to study that. They're going to study how, how is the defense going to be trying to come in? How are they going to blitz? What, what gaps are they going to try to exploit? What are they going to do? And then they're going to what? They're going to defend against it, and then they're going to try to exploit the offense into it. So when they come this way, I'm going to send a guy this way, I'm going to throw the ball over their head, and boom, instead of them getting me, now I got them. It's a whole concept. i got to understand the wiles, the methods of the evil one. He's got methods. Methodology. Methodology is a study of the methods. Okay? And so we have this. So Ephesians 4, it's called plotting. Same word. It's called plotting. Okay? It's conniving. It's plotting. You're putting together something. John 8, 44. What are some of the plottings that we're told? Well, Jesus said, you're the father of the devil, and his desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. What is... What's the first thing we know about Satan then? He's a murderer. Okay? And does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and a father. What else is he? A liar. liar. He's a murderer and a liar. Jesus said you call somebody an idiot, you call somebody racha, empty-headed. You just what? You murdered him. You get it? Yeah. Okay, what's a lie? Anything that's not what? True. We, we want to define, we, we, yeah, a lot of silence there, like we don't want to really define this one. If it's got any shred of untruth in it, it's a lie. It's deceptive. The word for truth is the word aletheia. 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 Okay? But it's aletheia. Okay? So aletheia is a, not lethea, deceptive. Or hiding. It's not in hiding. And we'll talk about this in a moment, maybe when we get to the, um, the belt of truth. So it's anything that something's not hiding in it. You're not, okay? And so the reality is, he's a liar. That's who he is. So know it. When something, when something is happening and there's destruction going on, is it from God? It could be. But more than likely, who's it from? The devil. If there's deception happening, who's it from? From the devil. So just get it, okay? Understand there's a spiritual war happening. You do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We'll get to that one in a second, right? The reason. Because, oh, maybe. There we go. The reason. There we go. The recognition that we're in a spiritual war, arche and exousia, okay? The rulers and powers. Literally, it is, um, or principalities and powers, literally, it's rulers and authorities, Okay? The word arche is where we get like archaeology. Okay? It's the beginnings, things that are in the, in the beginning, things that are first. Okay? And, so, and then exousia is literally authority. Okay? It comes, they, they translate it as power sometimes because with the authority you have what? Power. But dunamos is usually the Greek word for power. And so you have exousia and dunamos that goes together. Exousia is your authority. Dunamos, dynamite, is your power to enforce your exousia. Okay? So it's the authorities. Okay, so it's rulers and authorities. This is talking about the fact of people who are in charge. Okay, and so 
Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, we've already seen these terms, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. I'm going to read all these, and then we're going to talk about it all together. Ephesians 3, 9 and 10, to, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Colossians 1.16, For by him that is Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. You understand these are the same words that we're talking about, R.K. and um, Exousia. And you are complete in him, that is Christ, who is the head of all principality and power. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Okay, and I have two more to show you on the next slide. But what's the point? The point is that there are principalities and powers, okay? There are rulers in, in authorities in the heavenly realm. But they play out in the earthly realm. Just as we saw from the book of Daniel. Do you remember when we studied the book of Daniel? You had the prince of Persia who was standing, maybe Jesus, maybe another mighty angel. We're not sure who that angel was that came to Daniel, okay? All right? But Michael, the archangel, came and, and, and defended as well. And there was a battle going on, but he was literally referred to as the prince of Persia, okay? There was a war going on in the heavenly realms that was going on over the nations physically. Y'all, again, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, What's going on in the United States right now is not a flesh and blood battle. You are being distracted. There's a war happening over the entire world, and specifically over this nation as well, since we're living here, we talk specifically. It was a nation that was founded on what? The principles of God. We had a creator God. We talked about the creator God. We talked about him being sovereign. But over time, that's been being eroded. It's being battled. We do not have a physical battle going on. Get your eyes off of the candidates and get them onto God. Don't vote your pocketbook. Vote the Bible. If they're standing against the truths of God, they're against God. I don't care what color they are. I don't th- care what uh, nationality they came from. I don't care how much money they made. I don't care what part of the country they're from. If they're teaching things that are anti-biblical, they're anti-God. Straight up. I'm not going to get my vote. Now, I know the hard part comes when what? i got to decide between the better of two evils. I get that. So I'm going with the one who's most what? Biblical. Because it's a spiritual war, not a physical war. And Satan's very good at dividing us, destroying us, by teaching us lies. We are of the light, not of the darkness. Quit listening to all that talk radio junk. I understand. We need to be aware of what's going on in the world. I get it. But man, when we spend more time listening to those guys and gals who know nothing, apart, if they're not in Christ, they know nothing. Do you get it? Do you hear what I'm saying? 
if they're not in Christ, they're windbags. They're windbags, they know nothing. Nothing! This is truth. Sorry, get off my soapbox. All right. There's a war going on in the heavenly realms. It's brought out here. But one thing I know from Romans chapter 8, and that is I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other what? Created thing. What does it tell you about all those principalities and powers, those rulers and and authorities? They're all what? They're all created. That means they all give an account to God. Do you get it? And if I'm a child of God, I got more authority than they got. Track that one. Isn't that kind of cool? We go back to the adoption thing. I'm adopted. I'm a child of God. I've got more authority than than those authorities have. But remember, Jesus stood as a silent sheep. And he went to the cross willingly. And he died. Could he have wiped them all out in just a moment? He could have. He didn't. He was meek. You understand? He had a purpose. He understood his purpose. So I'm not saying that we abuse the authority and we say, I'm a child of God. I don't got to listen to you. That's not what I'm saying at all. I understand my authority. I understand that I'm on the winning side. And I understand that everything that I'm living for isn't here. Again, as I shared with Eric and Lana this morning when they first came in, you know, when I used to truck, people say, how are you? I'm doing great. If I could be any better, I'd be dead. People go, oh, I can't be that bad. No, it's that great. Did you not hear me? Huh? I said, things are great. If it could be better, I'd be dead. Oh, no, 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 don't talk like that. Why? Are you not listening to me? You clearly don't know my Lord. Things are great. I'm loving it. I'm not depressed. I'm not down. I'm up. But when I die, I go to be with Jesus. It ain't getting any better than that. The only way it could get any better than what's going on here is if I'm dead. Do you live like that? Do you really believe that? Do you get it? This world's not my home. I'm just a what? Passing through. Yeah. Got to live it. All right. Nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing. Why? Multiple times in the book of Revelation and in John 1, 1, we read that Jesus says, I am the Alpha Omega, the what? The RK. I am the beginning. I am the ruler in the end. Understand at this point, it's talking about beginning, but I think there's a word play going on. He is the ultimate guy in charge. Do you understand? And when he comes back on his white horse in Revelation 19 with the tattoo on his, on his thigh, chesed nemet, faithful and true, what's he do? He's on his white charger. He comes from the clouds with the saints behind him. What's he do? Come on, y'all. It's battle arm again. What's going on? He takes over. What does he do? The sword is proceeding from his mouth, and what does he do with that sword? He destroys the nations. He destroys the nations. He destroys all those principalities and powers, all those rulers, all those authorities. Because he is the authority. Do you get it? And you're his child. How cool is that? I'm on the winning team, y'all. 
I ain't worrying about the Steelers. They're a losing team this year. I'm on the winning team for all of eternity. Are you tracking? All right, stand. Third thing is then knowing, knowing that it's a, it's, it's a spiritual war, knowing that you, it's all those things, and so that you're focusing on he wants you to stand. Stand, 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 withstand, stand. Three times you're told to stand on all these things, right? These are the defensive pieces of the armor, okay, that he's going to talk about. So these are standing because you're taking a stand. Therefore, you are what? You're defensive. Does it make sense? Right? Because the battle's coming against you, and you're not what? You're not backing off. You're not running away. What's that called? Retreating. Okay? There's a place for retreating. Okay? But we're not told to retreat, are we? We're told to what? Stand. Stand. First thing, by having the belt of truth. The belt of truth. I see two things here, okay? And you're going to see this as word plays because there's the word truth. What does the word truth mean? Again, it's the word aletheia, which means not false or not hiding. But first, I want to declare that this is the belt of truth as in the word of God, okay? That everything I believe, everything I put on, all my armor, the rest of the armor, okay, is going to be tied to truth. God's word is truth. Do you understand? And so... Righteousness, when we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness, it's righteousness according to God's truth. Okay, when I talk about the gospel, it's the gospel of peace according to God's truth. When I talk about the helmet of salvation, it's according to God's truth. When I talk about the, 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 the shield of faith, it's according to God's truth. When I talk about the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it's according to God's truth. Okay, so it's the word of truth. If you are not spending time every day in God's truth, you are not putting on the armor. You tracking with me? I mean, this is how it plays out. Okay, Chuck and I walked away, walked out of the uh, the active shooter training thing yesterday, and I get it. I mean, I honestly, I didn't come to church this morning thinking we're going to get an active shooter. I'm not standing here today thinking I'm going to have an active shooter coming in. Okay, and if I was, then I'd be really focused on that door every single moment of the time because I'm the first line of response. I really am. That's a very serious. Pray for me on this one because I'm really trying to. For, for a couple of years, I've been really praying and analyzing over this thing because I am that first line, okay? You all are sitting this way looking. Make sense? I see somebody coming in, okay? So, but that's physical. That's flesh and blood. Make sense? And I want to be focusing on the, the spiritual, yeah? Okay? But I got to have on this belt of truth, okay? And if I don't have the word of God in me, then instantly everything else is falling apart. But there's a second part of this, and that is truth as a lifestyle concept. Are you living a life of truth? Are you living a life of truth? No deception that you're not hiding things. Your enemy will exploit your weakness. Again, military. One of the things when they do background checks, and we're talking about top security and beyond, right? They want to know if you have any what? If there are any skeletons in the closet that can be exploited because the enemy is going to find them and they're going to exploit them. Brian, I'm going to pick on you. Can I pick on you because it's not true? We all know it's not true. Is it true? Anyways. Um, but I find out that, that he's had multiple affairs in his past that nobody knows about it. Okay? It's under the blood. It's okay. But he's still worrying about it, right? And so now I'm, I'm, I'm that Russian agent 
or Iraqi agent or whatever, and I come into Brian because now he's working in the, and you're not, you're down in the hospital, but he's working in the, in the information place on post or whatever, right? And I start exploiting, hey, buddy, I heard about so-and-so and so-and-so. They might have been Russian agents who were setting them up years ago. Make sense? Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. And so I'm sure Tammy would like to know about them, huh? Oh, no, 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 we don't need to go there, you know? And, and so and then I start what? Ex- say again? Blackmailing them. That's exactly right. All you got to do is give us that one piece of information, and we're good. Do you think it stops there? Wait, we had a contract. I'll give you this one piece of information, and you let me alone. Ha, <laughs> no, dude. You just proved that you're a, you're a sitting duck. Now we want some more. Now we want some more. Do you realize... If you live a life of integrity, this is the book of Proverbs, if you're walking in integrity, there's no closet to worry about. Do you track with me on that? Now, I understand that if you've been saved as an adult, you've got things in your past that you really don't want to talk about. But they're under the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're willing to be honest about it, I mean, I've been honest about growing up in porn and all that kind of stuff. Like, I want to be held accountable. Does it make sense? I want that stuff out there. I, I want it to be true, okay? If my eyes are wandering, I want to be held accountable. I don't want to be held accountable. I want to be held accountable. You get what I'm saying? If I'm in my flesh, I don't want to be held accountable. But in my spirit, I want to be held accountable. Are you tracking with me? You, you have to be willing to be genuine. You have to be willing to open. You have to be willing to flay yourself open and be hurt. I've been hurt before by opening myself up. But that's okay. I had to make a decision. Am I going to do it again? I'm going to do it again. Why? Because I want to live a life style of truth. And we struggle with that. Second thing, my breastplate of righteousness. First of all, it's righteousness as a what? It's a gift. It's a gift of God. Okay? God has given us this gift of righteousness. Second Corinthians chapter 5, that God the Father made him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin, my sin, in order that I might become his righteousness. How cool is that? It's not this breastplate. If I'm trusting in my own righteousness, then I'm, I'm dead. But it's his righteousness. But same as we talked about with truth, I want to talk about righteousness as a lifestyle concept. Because too many believers, Christians, whatever, are living the life of Romans 6.1. And Romans 6.1 says, should I continue to sin that what? Grace may abound. And the answer is, Certainly not. God forbid, may it never be so. But we act, we live that way. Well, I'm not under the law. I'm under liberty. I can do what I want to do. No, God's law has never changed. In the new covenant, which you are a part of, if you're a part of the new covenant, Jeremiah 30, Jeremiah 31, the new covenant is that he's written the law in your heart and on your mind. God's standards are God's standards are God's standards are God's standards. The things that are right. Just like you want your kids to understand, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is the chaos. This is right. It goes to you, mom and dad, too. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Walk in justice. Walk in righteousness. Not according to the standards of man, but according to the standards of God. Setting your mind on the things above, not on the trash of the earth. Justice is for sale down here. It's not with God. He is the same yesterday as he is today, as he will be forever. And so ought you and I. 
What is right is what is right is what is right is what is right. God's Word, I've got numerous verses I've been working on memorizing from a couple years ago about being a leader and about justice and stuff like that and about how that money can blind your eyes. Okay? And how gifts can blind your eyes. And how your, can, your relationship with others can blind your eyes. God's eyes aren't blinded from that perspective. He is not a respecter of persons. From that perspective, he's blind. But he's not blind to what's going on. Do you understand? What is right is what is right is what is right is what is right is what is right. I need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Not just hide behind the righteousness of Jesus. And that sounds awful, and I, don't, you, I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Because that's in what I stand before God. It's not my own righteousness. I don't stand in my own righteousness. But I understand that as he's called me and as he's given me his righteousness, he calls me to walk in his righteousness. Not just to do whatever I want to do. The sandals of the gospel. The preparation of the gospel of peace. Having your feet prepared. Kids, kids, wake up. Look at me now. Okay, you all know this one, so I want to hear you say it together real loud. Kids, not adults. Kids, 1 Peter 3, 15. All right, I'm not going to help you, okay? But what? But sanctify. All say it together, but sanctify. Good job. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and always be ready to do what? To give a defense. Always be prepared. That's our word. Always be ready. I was going to wear my kids club shirt and turn around. And always be ready. That's it. You need to always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's within you. You're ready to give the gospel. I mean, straight care groups for the last couple months. They were set up to prepare, to, to help prepare everybody. Attendance wasn't great. You are required to put on this. Do you understand, though, this is a defensive thing? This isn't offensive? Isn't that kind of interesting? Because you're ready to give an answer, a defense, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's within you. That means you're living a life of truth and righteousness such that people are going to come to you and they're going to say, hey, what's different about you? And you're going to be able to say what? Well, let me tell you. Because you've been prepared and now you can tell them about the peace that you have with God. Okay? There is a peace that passes understanding that we have when we come to know Jesus. And we need to be able to tell people about it. Romans 10 is all talking about the, the, how beautiful are the feet of those who come, preaching the gospel of peace, right? Romans 5 is all about how we have access with God through Christ Jesus. Peace. We have peace with God through the access of Christ Jesus, okay? It's like coming, that whole passage is like talking about a stormy sea, like your life is in a stormy sea, and you pass through the, um, oh, a cove, they have the, the wind breaks, the sea, the water breaks, you know what I'm talking about? How they put out the, the breakers into the water that, that block it, and you come into the cove, and all of a sudden it's what? It's tranquil. That's the picture that's, that's being used there, okay? That we pass from the world of, of just rowdiness, and we pass in through Jesus, and we get into these calm waters of God. Okay? That's what we're talking about. 
that in the world there's all this chaos going on. And so, but I can what, as, as Justin read this morning, I can be still and know that he is God. And my life ought to be looking that way, that people want to know it. And so I ought to be then prepared, prepared to give an answer. It's not offensive, it's defensive. So don't think, well, I'm not walking on doors. I'm not going on knocking on doors. I don't have to be prepared. No, no, you better be prepared. It may be the little old lady in Walmart who's ready to meet the maker. And she's asking you. And you're the last person she's going to talk to. Now how do you feel about it? Do you get what I'm saying? You need to be ready. You need to be prepared. This is part of your armor of God. Don't pick and choose the armor of God. He wants you to put on what? The panoply. The whole armor of God. Not just this and that. You've got to put it all on. The shield of faith. This is a promise, a future, not a subjunctive. What's the point there? You take up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It's not a subjunctive. Take up the shield of faith, whereby you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It doesn't say that. It's not a subjunctive. It's not a maybe. It's a fact. It's a future. You're going to do this. You will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Do you believe that? But if you're not putting on the belt of truth, you're not putting on the breastplate of righteousness, you're not preparing your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, guess what? You're probably not taking up the shield either. Or it's got a lot of holes in it. Or you're not holding it up, but you're holding it down. Take it. Slide on to the fourth one. Take. These are the offensive pieces of armor. Only two of them. Two offensive pieces of the armor. First, we want to talk about the equipment. There's the helmet of salvation. And secondly, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay? These are offensive weapons. It's like, hmm, the helmet of salvation is an offensive... Yes, yeah, so you can headbutt people. No, um... But it's your offensive weapon. When you go forth in salvation, think about this. It is that which is seen by everybody else. You have been what? Delivered. And when you go offensively into the battle, you have to have every confidence. We watched a little house in the prairie the other night. And you knew what it was going to be because they have a bunch of um, um, stand-ins on this one thing, so you know that they're not going to be on the next one, you know, they're just part of this episode. But it was about this, the Indians, okay, and so the, the, the relationship between the settlers and the Indians and this kind of stuff. And so, but the Indians were willing to die. They were ready to die. But the white man, the, the, the settlers, they turned back when they thought the Indians had rifles. They wanted to go in for the massacre. But when they thought that the, the Indians had rifles, they turned off. If you got on the helmet of salvation, guess what you're ready to do? You're willing to do. I'm willing to die. That's the hardest part. When I think of warfare, again, 11 years military, right? When I think of warfare, when I think of being sent into war, that's the hardest part. Because, again, I'm a computer guy, so I didn't really have to worry about that. You know, I'm worrying about my finger being broke. And so, but in the end, in the army, when you were in there, everybody in the end is what? You're infantry. You're a soldier. 
and in the end, I might be the one in that battle line. And I got to think to myself, am I ready to what? Die. Am I, am I willing to, to have a bullet put through me? Now, again, we're talking spiritual, not flesh and blood, but it's the same concept. When I go in and I go into that spiritual battle, I know that I may be a victim. Now, I'm not going to have a victim mentality, as we talk about today, but the reality is that when you're in war, somebody gets shot sometime. Yes? And people are hurt. And I get that. Been there. I get that. But you keep moving. You keep moving. Because you know it's a war. It's not just a skirmish. And it's not just a game. When I play games, I play to win. I don't mind losing, but I play to win. But in life, I mind losing. You track? I'm playing to win. I'm playing to win. And the fun part of it is, I'm on the winning side. I know I already won. So I want to win in a way that I can hear from my, my master, well done, my good and faithful servant. You better be ready to die. Have on that helmet of salvation. There's a confidence that comes with it. And then you take up the, seal, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and what do you do? You run headlong into the battle. Because Jesus said, when he talked about Peter, and he talked about church, and he said, in the gates of hell will what? will not prevail against her. He's not talking about in the gates of Christianity will not be bashed in by hell. But he's talking about the gates of hell will be bashed in by Christians. That means you need to be on the offensive. Do you understand? That you need to be able to, to be on the move, on the rush, with your, with your word of God. That goes back to that preparation of the gospel of peace. But now, this isn't just giving an answer for the, the hope that's within you, but this is, this is ready to go in, taking every thought captive, and you are offensively going against those on a spiritual war. That's knocking on the doors. I'm going into Satan's domain, and we pray every time we go out, because I know I'm going into his domain, not Jesus' domain. Ultimately, Jesus, but you get what I'm saying. It's a spiritual war. Empowerment. I don't have time for all this, so I'm going to bring them all up. This is all about prayer. This week is our week of prayer and fasting, okay? The importance of prayer. It's always a part of the armor. Having done all, praying. Praying, praying, praying. It's all a part of it. The time of prayer. Praying always. The composition of prayer. With prayer and supplication. Praying is to express your wish or desire. Supplication to, to, to petition or seek a request. The nature of prayer. It's in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. The vigilance. Being watchful and persistent. You have got to be praying all the time. Did you ever notice how many distractions come when you're trying to pray? You've got to be ready to pray. Focus of prayer, prayer for all the saints. And then Paul says, and for me that I may have what? Boldness to open my mouth and to speak as I ought to speak. We ought to be praying for people to speak boldly. If you don't come on Wednesday night knocking on doors with us, Pray at least for the people who are knocking on doors that they open their mouth up boldly. Okay? Pray that as a body we open up our mouth boldly and we speak as we ought to speak, that we're seeking to please God rather than men, that we're seeking to dr bring people out of, the, out of the kingdom of darkness 
into the kingdom of the Son of His love. That's why He's got us on the earth. It's a spiritual war, but it's not about me. It's all about God. Walk worthy. Walk worthy. Walk worthy. So in the end, how are you doing in the spiritual war? Are you engaged in the real battle, or are you distracted by flesh and blood? I get it. It's easy to be distracted. Are you finding strength in Christ or looking for it elsewhere? Are you actively engaged in expanding the kingdom of God? How is your prayer life? Secondly, how would God describe it? And finally then, is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your kindness. Thank you that you desire to use us in this war, Lord. There's so much more we could talk about in this. But God, we ask for your wisdom from your Holy Spirit coming from your word. Lord, help us to magnify you at all times and in all things. You alone are the mighty God. You are almighty. These, these rulers, these principalities, these, these powers, these authorities, they're nothing compared to you. They're created beings. You have allowed them to be for a period of time. But your victory is secure and assured. And we thank you for that. Help us to walk in the truth of that victory, Lord. Help us to be bold for your glory in Christ's name. Amen.